Welcome to the latest edition of the Tennesseans Predators Podcast. I am Adam Vingan, Predators reporter for the USA Today Network Tennessee, joined as always by our great columnist and Tennessee sports writer of the year, by the way, Joe Rexroad, in the house here on a very cold day in Nashville and hopefully the last of the cold days. I checked the weather. It seemed as it it seems as if though it's going to warm up here in the next couple of days relatively. Yeah, well, uh, it's about time for the kids to go back to school, so. Right. I mean, Good. I'm amazed, though, and, and, and I can't speak to this because I don't have a family. Uh, me, well, I do have a family. I have a mom and a dad and a sister, but in terms of, like, I... I Offspring? I, yes, I, I do not have children. I am not married. So I, I saw that metro schools were closed again uh, today, and I know it's mostly because of the road conditions, but as a parent, what's the threshold for... Until you get sick of your children and you want them to go back to school. Oh, we've blown past it. <laughs> now, well, the problem is, actually, we've sort of been able to make it work this week with either my wife or or I at home. We've kind of been able to balance. But now, now then we got to the day where that couldn't happen on either front. And so, actually, this is very timely, Adam, because as we tape this podcast, I could show you the text threads right now of three children and my wife basically screaming at each other because they're all fighting and not doing their chores and, you know, this guy's doing this and now he slammed the door on me. And so, yeah, so that's where it's time for everybody to go back so to school. So you're glad to be here in the office discussing <laughs> the Nashville Predators and that's what we're going to do because this is a Predators podcast. School, it's not a parenting podcast. It's not a parenting we, podcast. We could make it one. We could, well, you could. I don't have any, <laughs> I have any knowledge a of A bad that. parenting yes. podcast. <laughs> so let's start with, as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, the Predators are playing tonight against the Arizona Coyotes, who are the worst team in the National Hockey League, but a team that beat the Predators a couple of weeks ago in Glendale, Arizona. But the last game the Predators played, a, a very thrilling one nothing game. Awesome game. Um, against the Vegas Golden Knights. All three games this season against Vegas. The two in Nashville, the first one being a shootout victory for the Golden Knights. Uh, and then, of course, the one nothing win on Tuesday at Bridgestone Arena. And the even the three nothing game shutout victory for the Golden Knights in Las Vegas at the beginning of January was also a very exciting game. Two very good scoreless games. Uh, the last two, even though they ultimately ended up three nothing and one nothing, but the 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 two main goals uh, in the first game were in the second period. In the second game, excuse me, the, th- the three nothing shutout victory were in the second period, and of course it took until the third period for. Uh, either team to break through with a Kevin Fiala game-winning goal in the third period. But very good scoreless games, even though the scoreboard wasn't being set ablaze. A lot of good scoring chances, a a very speedy game for both teams. And and this was something I wanted to talk to you about, and you seemed intrigued by the idea. I'm wondering if there is a Vegas-Nashville rivalry percolating. I mean, the games have been very intense. They've been very competitive. Um... Vegas got the better of Nashville two, two of the three games this season. They don't play again this regular season. They could only meet again in the postseason. And, of course, uh, that's where rivalries are born or right. in the playoffs. Um, even though, like, a rivalry, for example, like the St. Louis Blues and the Predators have been Central Division rivals since day one of the Predators organization. But last year was the first time the teams had ever met in the postseason. And that rivalry really ratcheted up after they played those six games. So, Vegas may see Nashville at some point in the postseason. Both teams look as if they're going to get there, and we're going to play a fun game related to the playoffs later. So 
the question is, do you think a Vegas national rivalry is is beginning to brew? And and do you think that we've seen the makings of it in these three games so far that they've played this season? Well, when I think rivalry with the Predators, I mean, it has a long way to go to catch up with the Ducks and what that is as a rivalry. Yes, that, in my opinion, is the rivalry. I think... I think people. I think from a fan perspective, it's Blackhawks Predators. I think from a on ice player centric perspective, it's Ducks Predators. Note at no point when those teams don't play Anaheim and Nashville do those players just just kill each other or, or, or look like they want to commit on ice murder against each other. But as you were saying, yeah, exactly. So so and I and the Blackhawks comes to mind. And like you said, I think the Blues. What was it, Mike Yo? Last year, he's like, well, I think one of our problems was we didn't hate these guys. Yes, Not said, a problem anymore. Yes, to paraphrase say that in the him. Playoffs. So that anytime you have a series, when first of all the stakes are so high and and it's absolute max effort and and you know determination, and then you are banging against each other night after night, that's just automatically going to bring that to a new level. But I think the conditions are there. Uh, the Golden Knights, I don't think, are going anywhere. I think they're going to be there. You know, this could be, right now, it's a joust for the top seed. I mean, these are two prime contenders for the top seed in the Western Conference. Did you use joust because you were referring to the Golden Knights, or was that just was that just coincidental? That's kind of like when I was doing the Titans podcast last week, and I said something about, you know, this guy really needs to tighten up his game. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, yes. it, there's probably some Freudian, you know, yes. issue there. But uh, the James Neal thing makes it uh, makes it a little fun and too. And I've enjoyed watching him in these games because we know that James Neal is a solid heel on the ice. He knows <laughs> it's what, a good heel. He knows what to do to to irk the opposition. And because he kind knows, of a jerk, eh? he is kind a of a bit. jerk on the ice. But he's a very successful jerk on the ice. Yes. And because he knows the Predators so well, you could see. I, I, I remember uh, watching a play. I can't remember at what point of the game it was, but he took a shot or someone on his team took a shot. UC Soros froze the puck, stoppage of play, and he comes around the net. And it looks like he sticks his arm out a little bit as he's going around the net to give UC a little jab. And, uh, you know, you saw Ryan Johansson, uh, you know, who was a line mate of James Neal's there his first season in Nashville. Um, you know, give him a couple of shoves. P and PK would go at it a little bit. You know, James Neal knows how to twist the knife a little bit. He knows how to get under your skin. That's why he's been so successful, not just as a goal scorer uh, in the NHL. But, yes, that certainly adds a different element to it, too. Yeah, so I think, uh, hey, listen, I'm all for – if they – I mean, right now, it's – I don't see the uh, the intensity or the uh, dislike that you see with other teams. But if we get a playoff series, which I'm all for on various fronts of Vegas-Nashville playoff series – uh, then I think, uh, and I think that has real potential. It does, and we can certainly look at the cities. And the point I made uh, to you on the podcast last week, I think that Nashville fans, because there were a lot of fans there at the game in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, um, they got to see, I think, what it was like for other fans to come to Nashville in terms of getting the experience of uh, what is considered uh, a quote-unquote non-traditional market. So you have that going for you. And, and I remember talking to James Neal uh, in December before he came to Nashville for the first time and asked him about the similarities between Vegas and Nashville as, as hockey, air, hockey markets. And he said that it's very, very similar in terms of the location of the rinks. Of course, uh, Bridgestone Arena being right on Broadway. Uh, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas is right on the Strip, right on Las Vegas Boulevard behind the New York, New York uh, Resort. 
Um, the crowds were very similar. The game presentation was similar. Uh, the opposing fan uh, presence was very similar. So I, I, th- I think that that can also play into it as well. I think that there is a lot of similarities between how Vegas presents itself, is starting to present itself, and how Nashville has presented itself. Of course, we don't have the luxury of open container laws or endless buffets <laughs> on the sh- on Broadway. Um, but we've got pedal taverns. We do though. have pedal so, taverns. Um, so, think of the think of the you know the the little battles we could have with the Las Vegas Review Journal comparing like Bachelor Bachelorette. Uh, yes, you know pros and cons. I mean, you know, we could have a lot of fun with this. Yes, we could, and we may see it uh, come April or May. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. But I want to get to our next topic. You wrote a column that was on Tennessean.com on Wednesday and in Thursday's print edition about UC Soros. A- and we had this conversation as you were putting together your fine column uh, about you know, where the UC Soros Pecorine dynamic is this season as opposed to maybe last season. Because there was a vocal majority of the Predators fan base that frequents, uh, you know, online blogs or Twitter that really wanted UC Soros to become more uh, involved in the goalie rotation last year, I, even to the point where people were suggesting to me that it should be a 50-50 split, which almost never works in any situation. The only one I can think of uh, is Dallas a couple of years ago with Auntie Niemi and Kari Lettinen, and they went 50-50 because neither of them were really that good. You have to remember that Pecorino is an all-star, and you also have to remember how good he was in the playoffs last year. But that's where UC comes in, because in order for Pecorino to be at his best in the playoffs, you need UC Soros to come in and play as well as he has to give Peck a rest. And I know that when UC Soros got the start against Vegas, there were fans who were wondering why when they just had a week off. And Peter Laviolette explained after the game that UC Soros went to Milwaukee. He played three games. He won two of them had a combined 969 save percentage in those three games, if I recall correctly. It was the plan all along because UC was fresh, and you kind of kept that rhythm. Pecorino expected to start against the Coyotes on Thursday, uh, but he's 5-0-3 in his last nine NHL appearances, and he didn't get one. Uh, he didn't, it's, it's eight. Uh, he has a record for eight of those games because he came in in relief right. in the Hurricanes game, didn't get the record on that one because Pecorino gave up four goals and lost the game, but had a shutout for the rest of the way in that game against Carolina. Um, 5-0-3 with a goals against of around 150, a save percentage around 956, I think it is, um, three shutouts. Um, he's playing really well. So you spoke to him about the experience he had because he did this last year too. He did not have a bye week last year. He went to Milwaukee and played. So you spoke to him. You know, you. I, it, I, what I found interesting was just you mentioned how much money he made going to Milwaukee and playing versus how much money he could have made by sitting on at home in Nashville and not playing. Um, so in his on your conversation with him, because maybe not all of it got into your column. What was the most enlightening thing? Uh, about just the experience that he's had going up and down this year and the dynamic between him and Pekka. Yeah, well, you and I talked, and I was actually going to write that column, which was the different dynamic, and I talked to UC and Pekka Rene about that, but like you said, it may not have been any sort of consideration inside the organization at all. It might have just been laughed at. But around this time last year, there was – talk out there of man UC Soros is awfully good and could could he be the playoff goalie or as you said you know should they split this I mean Pekka was getting older and all this stuff what what 
Pekka Rene did in the playoffs and then how he's played this year, as you said, as an all-star, to me has changed it to no one – It does. I mean, Yusuf Soros is playing out of his mind right now, but no one's going to say that. The only way that gets brought up again, I guess if Pekka Rene has like a month where he plays terrible, but it's clear now. It should have been clear last year, and I think it pretty much was, but it's clear now, I think, to everyone who's invested in this team in any way that when the playoffs come, it will be Pekka Rene. And if he falters or they need up, they feel good about going to Soros, you know. But it's so again, like for them, maybe it doesn't change things. But we did ask and we wrote things last year about Pekka struggling at times, and then this rookie is just you know playing out of his mind and so on and so forth. And that's that has changed because of how Pekka has played. But yeah, I end up writing more about the you know the. Uh, the two-way contract dynamic, which is pretty fascinating. And, and credit to Jim Diamond on that one. Jim Diamond, I mean, the only ideas he can come up with are people writing about goalies. <laughs> but he had a good one here. Uh, I get my all my hockey calm ideas from you guys on Press Row, which didn't clap at all for the Vegas game, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you think about 1000 bucks that he made last week for three games in the minors – where if he was just sitting around home, he makes ten k. Yeah. <laughs> the, the two way is just, so he's probably going to end up you know losing about fifty thousand if you want to look at it that way for going up and down. But it but that's the two way deal, and and I think it makes sense and it get, helps get him games. And obviously he was sharp coming out in that game. He was great. So yeah, very good. It, it's working for them. Well, and another interesting point we talked about this yesterday as you were putting together your column, and I did get some questions about this yesterday on social media. Is that UC Soros is still considered a rookie in the NHL, despite how many games he played last year. Which is so weird to me. It is, it is, an, interesting, uh, it is an interesting dynamic. And I believe, off the top of my head, the rule is, is a player is considered a rookie um, if he didn't play more than 25 games in the preceding season or, I think, no more than six in two preceding seasons. So last year, he appeared in 21 games and won the year before when he made his NHL debut in a call-up against Buffalo in November of 2015. So he'll no longer be considered a rookie after this season, probably, just based on how many games he's going to play. But he's still eligible for the Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year. I I don't think he's going to be considered. Um, I really think right now it's a three-way race between Charlie McAvoy, the Boston Bruins, Matthew Barzal of the New York Islanders, and Brock Besser of the Vancouver Canucks. But I think the most high-profile case of this lately is Matt Murray, the Penguins goaltender. Remember, his first season when the, when the Penguins went to the Stanley Cup and won for the first time, he, became, he came back and was a rookie again huh. the second season of you know, last year when, right. he, when he ultimately won the Stanley Cup again because postseason games don't count towards games of service. So he hadn't, he hadn't appeared in enough regular season games. To, so despite winning the Stanley Cup as this, as this precocious youngster— he was still a rookie. Even he was a sub rookie. Yes, it was pre rookie. Yes, yeah, so so UC Soros still considered a rookie, but based on how many games he's likely to get this year, it, he will no longer be a rookie after this season. And he will also be paid much better after this season. Yes, he is he a restricted free agent, and that's that's really the only that's really one of the major decisions. Maybe the only major decision they have to make this summer because they signed all of their depth defensemen a couple of weeks ago: Yannick Weber, Matterwin, and Anthony Boteto. I mean, Scott Hartnell is an unrestricted free agent. Cody McLeod is an unrestricted free agent. And really, that's kind of it. Like, they don't really have any major decisions to make this summer like they did last year with Arvidsson and Johansson in the summer before with Philip Forsberg. But there's no decision, right? 
With what? With with Soros. No, he's. I mean, when you're an RFA, you have very little rights. But I'm or saying from the pre, from the Preds' perspective. Yes. I mean, the question is whether you sign him to a contract similar to what David Poyle does with his other young players, long term deals like Victor Arvidsson's, for example. Um, which is going to be cost-effective, or if you sign into a bridge deal with Pecorino having one more year left and you see where you are with UC Soros and then you make a commitment later. So that's the, the conversation. One more thing about UC Soros that I'd like to mention. So I saw a statistic yesterday uh, regarding uh, UC Soros that since the NHL began tracking shots in 1955, there have only been two rookie goaltenders who have recorded multiple 40-goal shutouts in a season, Bill Ranford of the Boston Bruins and UC Saros, which got me thinking that it, that's great, that, great he's had 40 sta- that he's had two, multiple 40-save shutouts. But also, why are the Predators regularly giving up 40-plus shots with <laughs> UC Saros and net? And three of he's faced 40-plus shots three times this season against Edmonton, against Vegas, and against Dallas in early December. Pecorino's faced 40 shots twice this season, and the sample size is much larger. So you wonder, you know, the Predators, could you stand to tighten up a little bit? And Peter Laviolette mentioned— Tighten up, Adam. Yes, tighten up. Peter Laviolette mentioned on Thursday morning that maybe the shot attempts were skewed against the Knights because they had a lot of power play time. But they do seem to give up a lot of shots, so that's just the that's just the devil's advocate. He's making these great he's making these great uh, performances and saving a lot of shots, but maybe the Predators could you know give him a little a little bit easier time. Well, but of course for UC, who would never complain about every anything, right. he thinks that's good. I guess yes, goalies I get always work. say that. Goalies yeah. always say that they prefer to get steady work. I'll take the shot. So we've got one more segment that I want to do quickly. We've talked about the Western Conference standings and how tight they are. I'd like to play a quick game of in or out. You know, we're, we're more than halfway through the season. The playoffs are going to be here sooner bef- than you know. So I'm going to mention a couple of teams that I think are on the playoff bubble, Joe. And I want you to tell me whether or not you think they're ultimately going to make it when the playoffs roll around. So I think some of these teams are safe. For example, I, I think Winnipeg will make the playoffs. I think the Predators will make the playoffs. I think the Knights will make the playoffs. But there's a lot, there's a lot of other uh, you know, play, teams out there that are you know, fighting for, jockeying for position. So I'm gonna you didn't give, say Blues. Are you I, worried about Jake I, Allen over here? I think here? The, blues, the, the Blues have played a lot of games, um, but they do play well. They're in third place right now in the Central Division. So let's, let's, start, let's start with a team that's been intriguing me lately. Let's start with the Colorado Avalanche, who have won seven consecutive games. They're going for their eighth consecutive victory on Thursday night. They have 51 points, I believe, already better than they were all of last season. They're only two points behind Los Angeles, who hold the second wild card spot. It's been a very interesting season for the Avalanche. Of course, they were part of that big trade with the Predators and Senators uh, that involved Matthew Shane and Kyle Turris. Seven in a row. I mean, this was a team that was laughable last year. I watched them play five times against the Predators. They were not good at all. But now they're on a roll. Maybe it's Colin Wilson. I don't know. Maybe it's Sam Girard. That could be it as well. Will the Colorado Avalanche make the playoffs, yes or no? No, but they just need to get rid of Matt Duchesne, apparently, (laughs) to take off. But, uh, no, it's a great story. Um, Surprising. And, yeah, I mean, as we speak right now, they are actually a point ahead of the Blackhawks with two games in hand, but no, I've, I've got to say no. Okay, so let's. Are move. you going to say? Are you going to weigh in too? Or are you just asking? I, I think I don't think they're going to make it either. I think they're going to come close, but I don't think they're going to sustain this play for the rest of the season. So let's let's go with that. The Minnesota Wild, right above the, the Colorado Avalanche in the standings, fifty three points, tied with Los Angeles for the second wild card spot, but they have two. They've played two more games than the Kings as we record this. 
Now, the, the Wild are always... Any team that is coached by Bruce Boudreau is a good Gets regular season playoffs. team. Playoffs are a different story. But they are a talented team. Uh, they're 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10. Um, and they play next against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Saturday. I believe they may be on their bye week right now. Minnesota, did they make the playoffs? Yes or no? See, like when you say... The impulse is to say, yeah, they'll get in. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say no. Okay. Because I think the Pacific still has some teams that are about to start ramping it up. Including the Calgary Flames, another team that's just won seven consecutive games. They're rolling, but I, you know, watch the Ducks last night against the Penguins. I mean, the Ducks are coming. I still, I, I believe So you think the Ducks are going to make the playoffs? I think the Pacific is going to, yeah, is going to, yeah, I do. I think the Ducks, we can, we can preview that, yes. And, and I still, I, I'm probably misguided here, but I still feel like the Blackhawks have a run in them. So I'm going to... Even with the news from Chicago, from, from our, colleague, our Crawford, colleague, Mark yeah. Lazarus, that Corey Crawford is suffering from vertigo and may miss the rest of the season. Even yeah. with that knowledge, yeah. you think they still make the playoffs? Well, I'm, I, st- I just said they have a run Okay, so you think they'll make a... They'll, so, you, so you'll say that they, they'll make a push for it, but yeah. you're, not, you're not committing to whether... I mean, it's hard. If you go through the list here, to pick eight is hard. Yes, it is hard. So I'm going to say no on the Wild. Okay. So we've said no on the Wild. We've said no on the Avalanche. And you said yes on the Ducks. Yes. So we've got... So, and we're... And Chicago. You don't... Do you well, think- I mean, look... Okay, so who are the yeses? We think the Jets, Predators. I think the Blues. Okay. And then it comes down to what do you think of the Stars? On the other side, you think yes for the Knights. I think yes for the Sharks and the Kings and yes. the Ducks. Yes. So now you've got your Flames and you've got your Blackhawks and Wild and Stars. And that's where it's just hard. It is hard because as we're looking at this right now, the two wildcard teams are the Dallas Stars with 55 points and the LA Kings with 53. Under the cutoff line, Minnesota has 53, Colorado has 51, Anaheim is 51, Chicago has 50. Then there's the drop-off, Edmonton with 43, Vancouver with 42, and Arizona with, 40, with 28. I think those three teams are done. I, I think Edmonton, Vancouver, and Arizona are done. I, um, and even Edmonton, you're like, ah, Yeah, I, I just, I can't, they no. have too many teams to leap over to make it. Um, Ten points back of the cutoff line right now. So, you know, the question is, it looked like, the, the Central was guaranteed almost to have the five teams because up to five teams can make it, and the Pacific was just going to get their three. But right now, it's split four and four because yeah. you've got Dallas is one and L.A. is the other. But you've got Minnesota, Colorado, Anaheim, and Chicago on their tail. So, I mean, I do, I mean right now as I look at it, I mean, I, I think the Sharks, you know, I'm still not sold on them yet. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a solid team, but I don't think they're great um, as long as, you know, Martin Jones is playing well in that and, and Joe Thornton and Brent Burns and Joe Pavelski are playing well. They'll, they'll probably get in, but the Kings, you know, are a tough team as well. You know, Dallas has been much better this year overall, um, in term, defensively particularly. Um, you know, Calgary is a, is a great story right now with seven consecutive wins. Um, not sure about them. There are a lot of questions, but I really think the only sure things you have right now, in my opinion, are the Jets, Predators. Blues and Knights. I think those are the four teams that you can say, unless they both, unless all four of them just plummet, you know, in a way that you know that is just disastrous. I, I think they make the playoffs. From there, I think it's open ended. From there, and the whole it's the whole Central Division. I mean, the whole Central Division, you can't rule anyone out. 
which no. is eh, that's notable at this time of year. Right, exactly. The only teams, like I said, the three teams that I I ruled out are all in the Pacific: Edmonton, Vancouver, and Arizona. So, a very tight race, and the Predators are going to have to continue to maintain their pace. Of course, as we record this on Thursday, they're gearing up for the Arizona Coyotes. On Saturday, they play the Florida Panthers. Next Tuesday, they wrap up this homestand against the uh, league leading. Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, they go on the road for one game uh, to face the New Jersey Devils, who are in second place in the Metropolitan Division, um, and then they go on their all-star break where P.K. Subban, Pecorine, and Pierre Laviolette will represent the Nashville Predators. They come back from that with three home games against the Chicago Blackhawks, the Los Angeles Kings, and the New York Rangers. So tough opponents coming in, an opportunity for the Predators before. After that, they go on a four-game road trip, a, a tough one against the New York Islanders, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Ottawa Senators, and the Montreal Canadiens. So we've got a couple of homecomings in there. You've got Kyle yeah. Turris' homecoming to Ottawa, as well as another P.K. Subban return to Montreal. So that'll be a tough trip as well. And we will be along for the ride. Joe, as always, thanks for joining me. I know you've got many more podcasts to record because you are a jack-of-all-trades Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year. You deserve a plaque. Do you get a plaque for that? I, I, no, I don't oh. think so. Do you get so. a certificate, a sash? I, I don't know. A tiara? We've you should, all got to tighten up, Adam. We all We all have to tighten up, including myself. New Year's resolution. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Rexroad, myself at Adam Bingen. And for Joe's columns and my analysis of the Nashville Predators, continue to read Tennessean.com.